0: Welcome to the Journal of Adolescent and Adult Literacy podcast. On this podcast, we talk with authors whose work appears in the Journal of Adolescent and Adult Literacy. Uh, this podcast delivers current theory, research, and practice in support of effective literacy instruction. I'm your host, Matt Sroka. A quick programming note, this will be a, my last show of the year. I'll be back in January with more interesting conversations with literacy experts. In the meantime... As always, I encourage you guys to subscribe to the show. Tell your friends and colleagues and students about the show. And if you feel so inclined, rate and review the show wherever you listen. All right. So good show for you today. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to teaching literacy in our classrooms is getting our students to become better writers in our disciplines. Today, I chat with Dr. Sarah Beck about a specific strategy we can use called dialogic writing assessments to help our students become better writers. This conversation centers on Dr. Beck's article in the Journal of Adolescent Adult Literacy called Scaffolding Students Writing Processes Through Dialogic Assessment. Dr. Sarah Beck is a teacher educator and a literacy researcher on the faculty at New York University. In addition to an article and a book chapter on dialogic assessment in social studies classrooms with Andrew O. Del Cabo, her publications include A think aloud Approach to Writing Assessment and An Analysis with Amanda Godley of features of exemplary college applications essays. Links to those uh, uh, articles by, by, and book chapters by Dr. Sarah Beck, along with the article we talk about in this podcast, along with some of the other resources that we mentioned in this episode, can all be found in the show notes. So I encourage you guys to check those out. And with that said, here is my conversation with Dr. Sarah Beck. I'm excited now to be joined on the Journal of Adolescent and Adult Literacy podcast by Dr. Sarah Beck. Sarah, thanks for joining me. Can, can you tell me a little bit about kind of your background and how you got interested in the work around writing and student feedback?
1: Sure. Um, so I was a high school English teacher um, first before I went to graduate school, first for a master's degree in writing, actually, and then a, a PhD in language and literature, doctorate in language and literacy development. And um, I think what happened was as I settled into writing assessment and instruction as the focus of my research, I also started to think more deeply about my own development as a writer and how that mostly occurred through trial and error and through the generosity of readers who gave me very detailed feedback. Um, and that was really the way that I was able to progress with my writing. Um, I really had very little formal instruction in writing in my education. I mean, I certainly had English classes all the way through K-12, but a lot of that was just, um, you know, it was more reading focused, to be honest, and um, more kind of just assigning writing and turning it in and getting a grade and, you know, different kinds of feedback. Um, So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. And I started to think about, well, some of the feedback was more helpful than others. And and what really is the role of, of feedback in students progressing? So that's how I, I settled on this as, as my current area of interest.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. And I think that experience is not unique to you, right? I think and this is one of the reasons why your article really interests me and this topic interests me, is I think we see that a lot in in high school and middle school, this idea of assigning writing, then just putting a grade and some overall feedback but there's never this kind of ongoing conversation about how to improve student feedback and kind of that explicit writing instruction. Um, So with that in mind, can you talk a little bit about um, dialogic writing assessment and and what that is and what that term means?
1: Sure. So um, this is not, uh, this is an idea that I, or a model that I put together from a variety of sources. So I'm going to explain a little bit about what those, those sources are. Um, It, Is very much indebted to the idea of writing conferences, which uh, plenty of people have have written about and refined and studied, uh, Lucy Calkins, Nancy Atwell, especially. Um, But what dialogic writing assessment is, is an approach to conducting conferences that has uh, some specific features, characteristics, and objectives. And one is to help the teacher understand what a student can do with support versus without support. So the idea is to kind of open up and make visible that zone of proximal development. Uh, So it allows the teacher to have some insight into students' writing processes uh, because writing is supposed to be done during the conference. uh, Whereas some models of writing conference are more about uh, looking together at a, a piece of student work and focusing on the product and analyzing the product. This is really more, my approach is more about process. Um, and it also presents. This is in the article that that you mentioned from Dal and some other writing I've done on on dialogic writing assessment. It offers a a suite of mediational moves, quote unquote, mediational moves, and that's not my language. That actually comes from uh, the the sources that I'll mention in a moment. Uh, those are things that a teacher can say or ask that uh, give the student some support in their writing process. So that might be. Um, reflecting and recalling things that a student has said earlier in the conference or previously in in interactions in the whole class. Uh, It can be recasting the student's language in something that sounds a little more academic or more literary. literary. It can involve providing metalinguistic clues for the student. Uh, It can involve uh, locating a part of the text that needs some work and so directing the student's actual writing process to focus on something specific. Uh, it can be as simple as a prompt to write, like write that down. And that's one of our our favorite yeah. ones um, that students often say things that are brilliant in conversation and but the student forgets them. They don't capture mm-hmm. them. Uh, so yeah. I like to use the metaphor of the butterfly net that a dialogic writing assessment conference is like a butterfly. If the students ideas are the butterflies, these beautiful butterflies that are flittering everywhere, the, the teacher's role is to or the, the tutor's role is to. Capture those butterflies in a net um, using a certain these certain mediational moves and um, so, and so a really important feature of the conference that it conference is that it allows the student to get writing done in the presence of a supportive and more experienced partner whether that's a teacher or more of a tutor. Um, so I mentioned that there were there were uh, precursor references to dialogic writing assessment and those uh, that is the work of. Uh, people who've studied dynamic assessment, both in foreign language learning and in uh, special education. So in foreign language wor- uh, learning, we have the work of James Lantolf and Matthew Poyner. Uh, and then in special education, uh, an influence is the, the work, uh, Ruben Feuerstein's work on the learning potential assessment. Uh, so those were some sources that I, I read first, and that's what got me interested in thinking about how these ideas could be applied to writing specifically.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And that focus on the process um, is so important because, as you mentioned before, kind of your experience with writing feedback um, was often, I'm sure, not in the process. It was afterwards, here's the finished product, and then you get kind of the comments. <laughs> right. So, but but you're very much in the process of writing which so they they can kind of take on and they can kind of make changes and they can adjust based on kind of the conversation itself, not wait till the end. Um, right. It to be applied immediately, which I, I like. Um, the the other aspect, as you mentioned, the, the those moves, and I like in your article uh, scaffolding students' writing processes through dialogic assessment. Which, um, just again, a reminder for our audience that that article is linked in the show notes, but. In, within the article, you have kind of these conversations amongst teachers with students, and then you kind of in parentheses label the moves as they're happening happening in the conversation, which is really helpful to kind of see those labels in action of, of what the teacher's doing. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about this connection between scaffolding and dialogic writing assessment? What role does scaffolding have in this process?
1: Right. Um... So I mentioned Vygotsky earlier and the zone of proximal development. And that is, as, as I think many of us know, uh, zone of proximal development is the distance between what a learner can do by themselves and what they can do with assistance. Mm-hmm. And scaffolding, uh, which is not Vygotsky's word, but one that was introduced by Jerome Bruner and his colleagues in 1976, it's, it's that assistance. And it can be written assistance. So as teachers, we often give written scaffolds, graphic organizers, sentence frames, those kinds of tools, Uh, but it can also be interactional assistance. And I'm not the first person, certainly not the first person to think of this idea. Uh, Dan Reynolds has a great piece uh, from 2017 on interactional scaffolding for reading comprehension. Uh, So really it it, it can be spoken as well as written. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, this idea of as the dialogic writing assessment actually grew out of something called dynamic writing assessment or sorry, dynamic language assessment, um, which comes from foreign language education and uh, and then pre, even prior to that from special education scholarship, uh, something called the learning potential assessment and and a, a larger idea of interactive assessment. Um, and what dialogic assessment allows you to do as a teacher is to layer scaffolding. So you can use dialogic assessment conferences and the interactional scaffolding to better understand how students are using any written scaffolds you provide. Uh, so I've certainly done this hundreds of times. You hand out a written scaffold that you think will help students, and you kind of assume that it will help them, and you assume mm-hmm. that they will use the scaffold as you intended it to be used. But uh, maybe they don't. Maybe they use it in counterproductive ways, or maybe they use it in creative ways that you hadn't even thought of. So uh, so that's another thing you can you can nest scaffolding nest different forms of scaffolding within this dialogic assessment conference.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I well, cuz when I think of scaffold when I think like graphic organizer, I think kind of teacher gradually releasing the material to the students. Um but I think mostly about like physical artifacts like worksheets but this idea of even scaffolding conversation makes sense, right? Because you're not going to, depending on where your students are at and what their needs are, you're going to kind of meet them at different places. So it makes sense to scaffold. All right, let's talk about your article uh, for 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 Jahl. You looked at three high school English teachers and how they went about taking up and, and implementing what we we're just talking about, this idea of dialogic writing assessment, kind of this this talking through this process of writing with students. Uh, what were one or two kind of main takeaways from your article?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so I think one of the things that's uh, interesting about this article, one of the things that I'm proud of and that I appreci- appreciate about it, is that we show teachers with different levels of teaching experience uh, and different instructional objectives using different mediational moves to focus on different aspects of the writing process. So. Uh, We noticed kind of serendipitously that the more experienced teachers were more flexible in alluding to different epistemologies of writing in their dialogic assessment conferences. Uh, That doesn't mean that there's better and worse ways of doing dialogic assessment. only that it's it's flexible. Um, It's compatible with a wide range of goals and epistemologies for writing. You could even use it for standardized test prep if that's what you're required to do in your particular context. And I think I I know that this idea of um, dynamic and relational scaffolding might be kind of new. Um, Dynamic just means that teachers adjust their prompts to what the students are doing. So as I mentioned earlier, the idea for dialogic assessment was uh, based on this notion of dynamic assessment. And uh, there are there are many, there are different versions of interactive assessment. Um, one is where the tutor or teacher uses a fixed pro, a set of prompts. So it's sort of like a script that they read through and they see how the student responds to those prompts. That's not what we do. Uh, that's the that's the non-dynamic version of interactive assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really meant to be, to be adjusted for the teacher to adjust what they're asking or what they're saying based on how the student responds. And then relational, um, means that trust and knowledge of the student are really important for the dialogic assessment experience to be successful. Um, So, for example, some of the key mediational moves are intended to elicit information, whether it's ideas that the student has for the writing or sort of background knowledge about the type of discourse that they're writing, the type of genre that they're writing. And the more trust a student has in a teacher, uh, the fuller they are likely to be with their responses.
0: Yeah, that I mean, we talk a lot in education about the importance of building relationships, um, and sometimes that's couched in a way that says, you know, so students will care about the work more and put in better, better, better effort. But I think the, the more we get into into literacy, reading, and writing, and creating, the the more we realize those relationships kind of seep into all those things that we can become better supporters of their literacy if we know them better, um, and that makes sense, right? That this is review kind of the writing process with them as kind of an ongoing conversation and ongoing and part of that relationship building process are those those conversations so I'm intrigued I'm intrigued by so many things Sarah (laughs) with your work but 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 this idea that that literacy is or that the conversation is not a list of questions like I think when I think writing conferences I immediately go to like literature literature conferences and often like I've done those with like a set of questions what are you reading kind of what peers are you on tell me something about the main character how has the main character changed um and kind of filling out that to hold people accountable for their reading but this as you mentioned is not that this is yeah an, an ongoing conversation kind of meeting students where they're at and every conversation that you have might be a little bit different depending on kind of where students writing is at and and, and where and the where the paper's at um so that's cool, yeah, yeah, Sarah, that also though makes me think that's kind of hard, right? because as a teacher like that's that's challenging that I need to sit down right and be prepared to kind of have a different conversation kind of with every student about their individual writing, uh, which I guess kind of leads me to my next question about um, what advice or how would you advise teachers going like what should teachers kind of prepare when Having these conversations with different students or they're preparing to have these um, di- di- dialogues around students writing
1: yeah, that's um that's such a good question and i get I get asked that a lot and I get pushed back, you know, I get teachers saying uh, this is not 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 necessarily teachers actually, but sometimes like administrators or people who are more at a at a little bit of distance from a classroom. Um, I think teachers actually who are in the classroom often, feel like it's more possible. Um, so a couple things. Uh, first of all, dialogic assessment sessions do not have to be long. They can be really mm. short. They can be five minutes. And it's best, and, and one way to make them short is to focus on one specific aspect of writing. Like, let's just home in on the thesis here. Or let's assess what you're doing with examples for your writing or or structure. And, um, and, and so in terms of organizing this in the classroom, a teacher could think about, let's say they they are able to dedicate a, a good part of a week to writing. Their students are going to work on their writing and they can group students in pods so that they have a pod that's working on thesis and a pod that's working on evidence mm-hmm. and a pod that's working on structure, depending on what their needs are. And then they can go around and and let's say Monday is the thesis day. So they check on the thesis group and then Tuesday is the evidence mm-hmm. day and they check on the evidence group and and so on and so forth. Um, so that's that's how you know how it can be done. Um, and I and I've known I've worked with teachers who've done it this way. Uh, and then the third thing is that it's really important to get students writing to make space during these five minutes to to listen to what the student is saying and to try to be that butterfly net that, that's capturing the best ideas mm-hmm. and saying, oh, that was that was so great. you know, Make sure you write that down. I want to see you write that down now. Uh, so that's really the the final thing that's really important is make sure that that writing is actually getting done during the interaction.
0: Yeah, that butterfly, and that's a great metaphor cuz I I've experienced too where you're in like maybe Socratic seminars and kids have all these great thoughts and ideas, right? And and then you go to kind of the writing portion of the novel whatever you're you're doing and all of a sudden people have less to say and struggle and become mimickers and and don't really take up their own ideas like they did in a Socratic seminar. Well, what's the difference there, right? So I think even sometimes, I don't know, maybe it's just a matter of kind of confidence right with students and say he Hey listen that that is a good idea. Let's expand on that. Um, but but writing for, for whatever reason, right? Students I think have trouble transitioning sometimes to to their bringing their authentic ideas into their writing. And so these dialogic conversations, this butterfly net's a great way to listen for those ideas they have, those unique kind of authentic ideas and and encourage those and, and build off those. I like that. I'm I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm careful in this podcast cuz I'm my background is an English teacher as well, Sarah. So we're on the same page there. I taught high school English for 14 years. And mm. so I'm kind of always looking at things through an English lens, but I'm also aware in this podcast that we have listeners who are from other disciplines and preparing teachers of other disciplines. And so I'm always interested in how the work applies to disciplines outside of, of English. And so what, what what would you say? Do, do you think the findings and this whole idea of the writing dialogic assessment is English specific or do you think it applies to other disciplines as well?
1: Yeah, such an important question. And I would say they're absolutely not specific to English. Um, And I can illustrate this uh, through a collaboration with a scholar named Andrew Del Calvo, who is a social studies literacy researcher and also a national board certified teacher uh, who is deeply committed to integrating writing instruction into history instruction. Uh, I worked with him in his classroom Studying how these mediational moves for writing can also work to support historical thinking, uh, and we have two publications about this work. Uh, one is an article in the journal Literacy from the UK Literacy Association, and another is a chapter in a book called *Assessing Disciplinary Writing in Both Research and Practice*, edited by uh, Tracy Hodges and Catherine Wright. Uh, and I can put those links in the show notes for you, and give them to you for the show notes if you'd like. Yep. Yeah, um, cool. but. Basically, in a nutshell, our advice to teachers and subjects uh, other than ELA, although it also holds true for English, is that once you understand how writing is a tool for deepening thinking and understanding of content, then this kind of dialogic assessment of writing is also a tool for assessing content understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, in my work with Andy, we figured out how we could map certain uh, history assessment moves historical knowledge assessing moves onto these mediational moves for assessing writing. So it's really, it is absolutely doable. Um, It is is a time commitment, right? So if you're a science teacher, a history teacher, it's time that you can't be lecturing about all the content that you have to cover. Uh, So you have to be in a classroom where or in a school context that allows for time to teach writing in, in your subject. Uh, but if you have that, you can certainly use dialogic assessment in your classroom.
0: Yeah. I'm intrigued by the different mediational moves that are across the disciplines. What would what would the what would the moves be that are kind of common across those? And what are specific ones to history and science? Um I think that we can explore. I mean, writing, there's writing elements right in, inherent in all these other courses like history are doing the DBQs. They're participating in writing. And I would imagine yeah. writing, writing conferences are a chance, like you mentioned before, they can be kind of focused on specific topics. So maybe you're not focused as much uh, on maybe thesis, but you're focused more on supporting evidence or, um, or you know, uh, supporting or explaining how accurate the claim is or something. So So, the conversation might be different depending on the discipline, but certainly students could benefit from, as they're writing a DBQ, sitting down with a teacher and talking about what they're doing in that process. Makes sense.
1: Definitely. Uh,
0: Your article for JAW was published in 2020. I know you've done a lot more work with writing dialogic assessment. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about what you've done since 2020, either kind of the work you produced or even just kind of maybe how your thinking has kind of evolved um, since then?
1: Sure, thanks for asking. Uh, So my current project um, is an extension of the dialogic assessment work and uh, a response to the major event of 2020 that affected us all, which is the pandemic lockdown uh, with my colleague, Scott Storm, who's now a visiting assistant professor at Bowdoin College. I developed a virtual writing mentorship program uh, where youth from public schools work with undergraduate teacher education majors who serve as writing mentors for them. And these mentors are trained, I, I train them in how to use these dialogic writing assessment moves and uh, relatedly how to work with writers in an identity building way, uh, centering the youth's goals and their interests. Uh, they, the, the, the youth, the mentees who bring the writing work to the mentors, this is not, um, we often work on school assignments, but we don't tell the the mentees what to work on. They decide what they most need help with. Um, And so there are a couple of interrelated goals here. One is obviously to serve youth directly and providing supplemental literacy support, which there's such a great need for now um, since the pandemic lockdown began um, or during the lockdown and, and ever since then. Uh, and then another major goal is to introduce future educators to this dynamic and relational way of assessing students' writing uh, and, and literacy in general, because often reading source text is, is bound up with the writing work, obviously, um, so that the mentors can be better prepared to use this kind of approach in their classrooms or in any uh, tutoring types of situations, any use work types of situations that they may be in.
0: Yeah, I, I talked to... Dr. Erica Bass uh, a couple months ago on the podcast, and she was partnering with. She had her kind of pre-service students working with a local English classroom, a local high school English classroom, and the high schoolers would kind of send copies of their writing to her pre-service teachers. They would get feedback and and send it back, and it was kind of interesting because, a, I think um, pre-service teachers, I think we need to do a better job preparing them on how to effectively give feedback. On writing and it sounds like kind of applying some of the stuff of your work the dialogical writing assessment is is a helpful way to do that because i I don't think they know exactly what to say or how to help student writing often um and and b just from my conversation with dr erica bass one of the things that the challenges that came up is because the writing is so embedded in the relationships they were not these pre-service teachers didn't have a relationship with these high schoolers. They were just seeing their writing samples and giving feedback on the writing sample without really knowing the student. And so yeah. that relational aspect was challenging. How do you get feedback when you don't really know the student individually?
1: Yeah. And and I think that really speaks to how um, the collaborative nature of writing as an activity. And that's what, that's actually why I changed the name of this approach, I didn't want to call it dynamic writing assessment because that didn't seem to that word dynamic didn't seem to fully do justice to the collaborative nature of writing as a practice. Uh, and this idea of dialogism and Bakhtin's work is is really very um, really permeates uh, so much of the literacy research, the research on writing in the last several decades. Um, so it's sort it, it is a nod to that. Um, theoretical influence. Uh, But it's also uh, an acknowledgement of the reality of writing, that so much of writing is done collaboratively. And even though in school, it is always, there is typically presented as an individual act, as a kind of sequestered act. uh, But if you look at how writers actually work together, it typically isn't. And I think uh, there's a wonderful oral history of Tanahasi nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me, which is on Mm -hmm. the the publisher's website and it's actually a group oral history with him his editor chris jackson and the production team for the book and they talk about the sort of back and forth between him and chris jackson as the drafts were developing and how it was really almost like a co-authorship even though mm-hmm. uh, coates's name is the name on the front of the book um, and and he said even I can share the link with you um, later if you want to see it actually but it's just a beautiful illustration of how even what seemed like single authored works are the product of so much interaction and influence and I think as as teachers of English we we should embrace that we shouldn't uh we shouldn't be afraid of it um so yeah dialogic assessment is just one way to, to do that
0: yeah, I think we're a little bit afraid of it. Uh, sorry, I think we're a little bit afraid of 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 looking at writing as a joint enterprise. The but but you're sure like even any any book, right? You read any, any novel, and and you get to the end. There's acknowledgments, and they acknowledge all the people that went into helping that person write the text, whether it was doing research, whether it was editing, whatever. I mean, there was there's people often write with the help of others, and I mean, in the if you look at the Journal of Adoles- Adolescent About Literacy in any issue you'll find the majority of issues are co-authored with other people, right? This is, sure. this is normal in the profession. And yet somehow in English, we say, no, you can't work with somebody else. We want you to kind of to see what you can do on your own. And we do we do. We view ri- 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 writing as kind of this individual process. Um, and maybe it's because we're preparing for these assessments where they can't help others. But it's not, I think that takes away from kind of the authenticity of the writing, because in, in the world, in these professions, People are writing collaboratively all the time. So I think finding ways to bring that into the classroom is, is helpful. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned the, as just, just a side question, I was thinking about while you were talking, the um, this dialogic writing assessment is like a writing conference. So you have a tutor or a teacher talking to a student um, as they're going through the process of writing. Would this be the same or could this not work if it's all kind of written feedback, right? Could, could you have this on a Google Classroom document or a Google Doc and students be writing in live time, teacher begin feedback? Would it be the same? Does that work or or no? What do you think about that?
1: I, I've never tried it that way. I mean, I think it depends on how comfortable the student is with writing. You know, mm. if, if a student is very um, fluent with their expression and can, you know, quickly type out their ideas in a Google Doc, I, yes, I would say yes. But, you know, if you have students who are, who have writer's block or for whom the, the physical act of writing is difficult, um, for whatever reason, or the, you know, sometimes students have these really deeply internalized negative views of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like my spelling is terrible. Mm-hmm. I have, I have bad grammar. And so they don't want to put that on the page mm-hmm. that, you know, they, they they feel really inhibited in that case. You're you probably would not get very far with the writing text-based dialogic assessment.
0: Yeah. I mean and I mean one of the big challenges obviously is that process, right? It'd be e- easy to get text-based after the fact of their writing and give te- text-based feedback, but to really capture the process and that dialogic nature it's just yeah, I imagine it be more more challenging. Um so as teachers, as as if I'm if I want to kind of do this in my classroom, um I I have a question here that asks you how do we balance this idea of our purpose for writing, whether whatever the discipline, right? Whether history or science, we have purposes, specific purposes and kind of places we wanna to get to with our students. Um, but in this process, we also want to kind of meet students where they're at, right? And we want students kind of to bring in their own thoughts and ideas. And so I'm asking about this, this, this meet. Uh, um, how, how do we balance wanting to kind of get students to a certain point to meet our specific standards or objectives? while also like bringing in student voice and, and and allowing students and kind of meeting students where they're at. Do you have any thoughts on this balance?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think in general, we shouldn't start by instilling our purposes. We, we kind of need to listen <laughs> to, to where students are and figure out what their purposes are for being in school. Um, and if you're, but obviously if you're, especially if you're a subject area teacher, you know, you have to, teach these certain genres. I think English teachers have a lot more flexibility with genres. Uh, assuming you're not having to do, you know, standardized writing test prep, let's just, let's assume for for the sake of discussion, that's not the case. Okay. Um, you know, Jessica Early's work on uh, bringing real world genres into the English classroom is, is really great in terms of inspiring teachers to think about, Oh, podcasts as a genre or public service mm. announcements or, Proposals for funding or for research. Um, these are all very real real world genres that she mm. has shown um, teachers how to incorporate into English curriculum. So we have maybe a little more flexibility than science or history teachers, social studies teachers. Um, so there there's less flexibility. Uh, and we should always be clear um, kind of what the reasons are for these genres, like why they exist as social constructions. So, um, you know, helping students understand audience driven reasons why a genre has a particular shape um, and also showing where the where the edges for um, modification and adaptation are like, where can you use first person in this mm-hmm. genre? You know, so I, I'm teaching undergraduates now and they've all been told, oh, you can't use first person in academic writing. Yep. Like, wait a minute, let me show you a bunch of <laughs> examples where where people do actually use first person yeah um so so you know knowing knowing where the the room for improvisation and modification is 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 really important for making those purposes and and requirements uh, for genres kind of attainable for our
0: students, yeah, I think that's really good advice because I think often students, um based on my experience, they lack a purpose for writing, right? Like they, they 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 will not be able to articulate why they have to write in school, and if they do, it'll be to get a grade or something. And so I think bringing them into this conversation, saying, okay, uh, let let's look at ways we see writing all the time in the world around us in, in 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 the world around you and kind of exposing them to to writing that they're already seeing, like podcasts, but they maybe didn't kind of identify that as as structured writing or writing for a documentary or whatever the case may be. And then once you have that conversation, and you're right, English, I think more than other disciplines, um, but there is room, I think, in other disciplines for it as well, allows, allows a lot of flexibility in, in how we go about our writing um, and how we go about giving students choice too, right? Like I think there's a place here for, for choice. If two students have kind of two different goals um, and two different pur- purposes for writing, we can um, still achieve our purposes by having them kind of choose the direction that they want to go on. All right. So if um, if if you're, if, if I think this is, again, an area where a lot of early teachers struggle, I'm saying early teachers, to cover up my own insecurities, to say this is also an area where I think I could use some personal growth, professional growth in my own teaching, is that this idea of kind of giving feedback to student writing and helping students become um, better writers, not just helping this one final product on this one specific paper be better, right? But to, help their writing process to be better, to help them become better writers, not just someone who just sticks an, a B and well done at the bottom of the paper, but actually kind of give good feedback. What, um, and you spend so much time in this area, what, what advice, um, Sarah, would you give to kind of teachers who wanna get better at, at giving students writing feedback?
1: Yeah, I would say um, build revision into your classroom. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the way to know if your feedback was effective is to see how the students take it up and use it to change their writing. So you know we we need feedback too on our teaching. We need we need to self-assess our teaching, and we can't do that if we give. And, and you know sometimes the the thinking is well I'll give feedback on this paper and they'll use it in the next paper, but that doesn't always work for a couple of reasons. Maybe the feedback was specific to a particular text so if they're writing a say a literary analysis essay about a, a novel and then the next assignment is either not literary analysis or literary analysis about some poems or some different kind of text the feedback isn't necessarily going to apply mm-hmm. and also it's there's usually a pretty long time lag between uh, paper one and paper two so I think revision is really important uh, it's hard to teach revision. Uh, it takes, you know, takes practice. Um, but it also it's it again, speaking of, you know, how writing is really done in the world. It's, there's a lot of revision, right? Like and, yeah. as um, literacy researchers, as as someone who's worked on a journal, you know how important revision is to the process of putting a journal together. Um, and and again, you know, the way to, so it, it benefits everybody, it benefits the student writers because they get used to do to practicing this very real world writing skill. And it benefits the teachers because they get to see if their feedback was effective.
0: Yeah, I know. I think that's true. I think like if we can normalize revisions, I think that's that would be helpful um, because, yeah, it happens all the time where you're sent a document or and and not just in the academic writing world where it does. Every article goes through multiple stages of revision. But but even other aspects, emails. Right. I was working with uh, some colleagues on an email that we want to send to a bunch of people. And we wrote a first draft, and then we kind of let it go, and then we went back to and we revised it. So even emails, something as simple as emails, can be revised. Um, And so normalizing the process of revision, uh, which again it takes time, right? Because you have the writing process, and then kind of you want to move on, but we're we're saying no, we should pause and and really focus on revisions. And in those revisions, like do like the I think of the dialogue writing assessment kind of happening the first time they're sitting down to write. But even through those revisions, right, you can have these ongoing conversations, um, these writing conferences during the revision process as well. Right.
1: Absolutely. And, and maybe they're even well, they I don't want to say more necessary, but necessary in a different way, because yeah. uh, students, I mean, we all feel this, but especially less experienced writers like I've written it down. Like, I don't want to change it. It's too mm-hmm. hard. Like, it's just you. you feel committed to the thing you've written. And it's, it's very, it's also very hard, can be very hard to decide what's good to keep and what's mm-hmm. not. And, and sometimes a, a sentence or a paragraph you really like doesn't really serve your purpose, but it's hard to let go of. Mm. Um, so, so it can be really helpful to have a more expert writer guiding you in that process and, and sifting through that first draft and, and figuring out what needs to go and what you should keep
0: yeah and one of the mediational moves that you talked about previously was this idea of encouragement, and it seems like in the revision process, you might need a whole lot of that encouragement, right like yeah, like yeah. I know you don't want to look back at this, but but here's why we're doing this, and you make a really good point here, and so let's let's look at this and and let's see how we can keep the good stuff but but make it even better um as students on that on work through that writing process uh you mentioned a little bit about kind of the work you've done since 2020 I'm just curious, is that work? um is that work still ongoing or kind of what's oh definitely very much
1: so okay yeah very much so that's um i i'm can, i've gotten some external funding to work on this now oh nice and i've been i've been rep- i've been uh, presenting on it at conferences for a couple years like little pieces of the project so i my hope is that this will become a a model for Teacher education more broadly. Like I don't just want this to be my little project. I would like yeah. more colleges of education to take this up. So um, yeah, I'm hoping to to continue to, to really write about and publish about this in a more formal way. So stay tuned for that.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm i you have my interest. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm preparing pre-service uh, high school teachers, and I'm on board with this dialogic writing assessment. So you have. You have one pre-service educator on board, so at least one. <laughs> right. well, well, thank you. I, I appreciate, uh, Dr. Sarah Beck you, you taking the time and talking about the Dialogical Writing R- Assessment. Again, I would encourage listeners to take a look at the show notes for the full article and other resources that we talked about in this podcast. Uh, but thank you very much for this uh, thoughtful conversation.
1: You're welcome. It's been a pleasure to be a guest here and thank you for the invitation.
0: Absolutely.